Have you been wanting to have your own podcast but couldn't find the platform? Are you looking for tools to promote your show, edit it on the fly, have it syndicate to all the top apps? Then head on over to the podcasting network CNET has hailed as the future of distributed sound. Yellowbloodydick.com from MicroHard. Sign up today and use a promo code Jesus I have a boner growing for 10% on. This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is 1984's Red Dawn. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie, Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I'm your gracious host. Alongside me, the erstwhile, sidewhile, armadillo-touching, pecan, pecan, pancake-encrusted-loving, touching the water bags, Mr. Justin Waddell himself. How's it going, Justin? Oh, it's it's fine. Thanks for asking. It's early, Nick. It's it early is. in the morning here. I want to wish you a grand rising. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Good morning, not good enough. You know, yeah. you got to up it a little bit. You got to hit it with a little injection of, uh, I guess, give it a steroid. Give good morning a steroid. Yeah, I was over at the, was it Gnostic place hanging out the other day, Phoenix Dragon, looking at some metaphysical books and charms and crystals. Lady wished me a grand rising when I came in. I said, how'd you know I have a huge erection right now? <laughs> I get super jazzed when I walk into a holistic bookstore. I'm loving. I'm loving that you're. Uh, you got a new reading path ahead of you. What? What are you? You're taking in some. Um, are you into crystals now? What's What's happening? I mean, I, I like I to put. Know. I like to put crystals on my arm as I'm sitting. Let the rocks rest on my body. You know. I think that's what you're supposed to do. I'm reading a book on how to mind nuzzle a Care Bear. I, I like a, a, a how to drink tea with like the the attitude of a German. You know, I've got like this one book about how to become, you know, touch your inner unicorn in the in the tits. You know, sure. Yeah. And how's that working? Are you finding your life improved? No, no, it's actually worse. It's it's the same life except I have smelly stuff nearby. I, I just see people putting rocks and crystal. Like, yeah, that was a thing. You know, people resting rocks on themselves or crystals on themselves. I always was a little like wondered maybe that would be put one of those things on my shoulder for the day or something. Maybe that would be kind of, there would be some kind of happiness attached to that. You say put it on your boulder? My shoulder. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. This this life we lead is a myriad of challenges. Just getting up sometimes is difficult. Whatever it takes to make you feel a little bit better about it. I'm not going to disparage that. If you want to light up a couple of little uh, incense sticks and and, and chant and, and, you know, Listen to music, but that's like, you know, where the lead guitar is a mountain, 
you do what you need to do. You know, I'm not going to make fun. I'm saying, look, yeah, life's hard. You're right. Attack it how you will. You know, that's all I'll say. I want to. This is the earliest we've done this podcast, so we got to talk breakfast. I mean, what did, what did you consume this morning? Did you have anything special? No, I don't really do breakfast. I have a, a, a salt bagel looking at me right now. I'm thinking about touching it. You're thinking about eating that during the podcast? I'm thinking about finishing the podcast quick so I can get to it. I uh, that's not going to happen. I um uh, ate right before breakfast. Let me let me hit you with what I had. You ate right before. Oh, breakfast. I'm sorry, right for the, before the podcast. <laughs> I I ate before breakfast. I had a little Chobani uh, yogurt mixed berry blended. Yeah. I like the blended more than the fruit on the bottom. I will admit. Yeah. You know, I, I like it. I don't know why. I just do. And then I had a half like kind of a, a one granola bar. You know, half a package. Yeah. I like to eat that with yogurt a little bit. Not always. You have the diet today of somebody who would go to a, a Gnostic bookstore. I've been eating healthy, man. Is it Gnostic or healthy. Gnostic? What, I have right no word? idea. This is the second time. The G is think, silent, right? I think Gnostic. Gnostic sounds like sounds right to me. Anyway, and a little uh, coffee, a couple of vitamins that popped in there. We're good. Like, look, I'm grand rising. Uh, I woke up, uh, you know, it's a, got myself two hernia mesh emails today. Not one, oh, was, not one, but two emails marketing to me as a potential hernia mesh candidate. I don't know. So I know what her, hernia mesh, is this something that like is, is preventative or if you have a hernia, like what's going on with, what do you mean? I don't know. Cause I know if I search any further, I'll get more, <laughs> but I have a feeling it's either a, a treatment for some hernia issues or it's a, a disorder. They, yeah, they hit us with those ads now. Like, you know, hair loss ads, at least I get those. Um, what else? Weight, I think. Yeah, they hit us with the like getting older ads. I don't I get, get hernia mesh. I get Cialis and hernia mesh, and then right. it's confused me because I had bought tickets to see hernia mesh open up. So I was really jazzed, and I was like, "Oh, am I going to get a behind the scenes VIP experience?" Turns out, yes. Mesh is mesh is a tough word for me. I'm not yeah. a fan. It's an early Zoom. Yeah, a little fun to say though. Mesh. Maybe I'm turning around on it. Have you ever had a mesh? Like, have you ever had mesh on anywhere in your body? Like, what's your mesh, mesh to non-mesh ratio in your life? I've never meshed, but I, I'm a huge fan of BB Besh, you know? Sure, yeah, yeah. I can't say I've had a mesh. Okay, let's let's go. Let's take a, a pivot, though. Yeah, you're right. This yeah. is uh, We're doing this at the crack because it's and We're early. It's early, so, you know, we're usually sharp. We're quick, right? Like, it's like these – this is a cracking part of the episode. Right now, I feel like I'm floundering. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm rubbing sleep out of my eyes. I'd love to have some flounder right now. Flounder in love. the morning, huh? Flounder in the morning. I mean, locks, right? Locks and bagels. Sure, yeah, locks, of course. But uh, you've never had flounder flounder morning? <laughs> no, I don't know if you guys are aware. There is uh, some conflict going on overseas right now. Justin was on the road, and he—I don't know how you happened upon Red Dawn in your hotel or whatever. Uh, it was a fateful choice, to be sure, especially for me. And, and we started talking and we decided to pivot from what we were going to do for our, our next episode to this, Red Dawn. Mm -hmm. And in the spirit of uh, what's going on over there, we figured we'd throw our, our little piece into this and, and, and wake up a little bit early. Yeah, do Red Dawn at Dawn. A little something special for this one. Do something a little out of the ordinary. Yeah, I was, on, I was in a hotel room. I imagine they were playing this movie because of what's happening. And so no, that it brought back no. a lot of... Well, I mean, I don't know. It just seems like a weird time to play this movie. And then it just brought back a lot of memories because this is a movie that I used to watch a lot when I was a kid, when I was a youngin. 
Yeah, if you're of a certain age, this movie was omnipresent. You know, I remember when I saw it in the theater, it was a rah, rah, rah movie for kids. You felt you felt a little uh, – it felt close. You know, I guess yeah. how, how somebody in the next generation might have felt when they saw Toy Soldiers. It was a little scary, this movie, to me. It was a little – it was obviously violent. It's also like the first, I believe, PG-13 movie, right? It's, it's close. It is. it is. Yeah. And so there was something about it that was like a little bit – controversial is the wrong word, but it, it, feel, it felt like you're seeing – you know, something a little bit like a little more violent, a little more, I guess, more violent than, than I was used to at that point. So and it certainly I think at the time was like kind of controversial for its violence. Correct. Yeah. Well, uh, it's Amelia's joint. Mm-hmm. So you it's certainly he's certainly a red blooded steak eaten amendment protecting big old dude. Uh, and I guess, you know, that certainly carries over into his work. It was at, it was at a time where the idea of a bunch of kids with guns near schools doing shit was really far fetched. He did this right after Conan, right? Isn't didn't he do this back to back? Probably, yeah. Correct? So I mean, yeah. I think we're doing a, a good deed by talking about it. A lot of people have been asking for it. I wonder if anybody remember. Is this movie remembered? Oh, I know absolutely. they remade it. They remade yeah, it in no. 2012, which I haven't seen. Did you see the sequel, the I, remake? Of course, I did. I did not see it. I don't miss a Josh Hutcherson performance. <laughs> but Chris uh, yeah. Who was it? Is that a big cast in that? I think you nailed it. I think you got all the big names out of the way already. I know they changed the bad guy in that one. Well, they were going to do China, maybe? China, and then they changed it to North Korea. And I and I read on the trivia that it cost them only $1 million to change the nationality. So good for them. Money well spent. They should do they should do Rapa Nui and, and change the nationality for a $1 million on that, too. <laughs> but honestly, if you're of our age group, this movie was huge. It was, yeah. It was a huge deal. What was it 84? 84 you know, came out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Reagan was in office. The things, you know, the 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 art of the time was was definitely, you know, you look at Taps, which was a, a few years before this, uh, another kind of violent, like for I don't know if it was for you, but it really that movie really had a big effect on me. Seeing kids die and seeing kids in, yeah fighting and all that kind of stuff. It had a. It was. It, the, I guess that's what I was trying to say earlier. This movie disturbed me a little bit and so did taps especially when that kid gets shot in taps of course yeah, yeah that's a, that's in this movie like i had i remember this movie perfect i remember everything about this movie every scene like i know and i don't think it's the same way for you right like this isn't this wasn't as big of a movie for you no to me it's more like i'm watching the movie and i'm starting it's it's like when you start to remember when you were abused you know it's like certain certain things start coming back you're unlocking Past sure. abuse, you know? That's mm-hmm. what's happening when I watch it. Okay. I have an affection for this movie, and I don't think it's – I think it's probably pretty problematic, but I, I do have, like, a certain affection for this movie, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because Swayze takes it deadly serious. Like, he is <laughs> so serious in this movie. No, you know, it's a serious movie. It's not. There's not a lot of laughs here, but, man, is he acting up a storm. Um, I mean, I got to check – Never I- switches gears. Never. Did he ever switch gears in his career? Yeah, absolutely. He did. Yeah, he died. That's true. Yeah, that was a huge. That's a huge gear shift for him. He is full bore. Mister Swayze is. I don't think he ever wasn't like even like even Black Dog. I guess. I he, mean, Point Point Break. Yeah, I guess he's too radical in that too. I mean, he's amazing in Point Break. I mean, that's when it really works. I think for it really fits it. Like he and he's having a little bit of fun there. And this one, he doesn't. I don't think he was having fun. Obviously, and. I don't think the castmates thought he was having fun. I don't think I don't think he was 
well loved on the set. When he is when he is guttural when he's screaming, it is so fun because he is. It is. It's hard to take it seriously. It's like listening to Richard Mark sing. You know, like in the '80s, like trying to tough it out doesn't come true. Richard Mark's Twitter is Richard Mark. Oh, I love it. Yeah, he's on there getting in fights with with people. Mm-hmm. And I don't, sure. I don't, I don't hate Richard Marks, but mm-hmm. I do. I used to love it. This guy with this bouffant, you know, singing tough. You know. Yeah, he did have so much hair. Like he had, he had good hair. Is he? Yeah. Is he still rocking big hair these well, days? I haven't seen a picture. He keeps it short, but because he got a bunch of hair mesh advertisements sent his way. We. Uh, I know, I know a Zoom about him. We might have talked about this before, but he was—he's married to MTV's Daisy Fuentes. Good on him. Yeah, I think they're still married. I don't know if they made it through COVID happily married, but I'm not going to look it up. <clears throat> She's dead, right? She, no, of course. <laughs> another, another huge Zoom. One of the Marx Brothers. Yeah, like distance. <laughs> Just a relative. Does spell it like the marks, doesn't he? I got, ba- I got some bad news. Is Groucho's grandpa? <laughs> Harpo's kid? Isn't that Oprah's company? Harpo's? Harpo, yeah. It's Oprah spelled backwards, I think. Is oh, I, I, I ju- are you kidding me? No, I think this whole time, This whole time I thought it was... Am I wrong? No, I must be wrong. No, I think I'm right. Har- Harpo, right? Oprah, yeah. That's got to be. I nailed it. That makes me hate her. I thought the one, her one saving grace was that she did a little Marx Brothers. Yeah, I thought there was a little reference there, but it's not. It's shit. It can still be both. It can be both. It can multitask. So yeah, they are still married as fuck. How long? Let's 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 celebrate. Has it been fifteen years? Man, that, that's a good pull though. They they married in twenty fifteen, so they did survive COVID. Oh, that's a this a recent matrimony, right? Recent union. Yeah, you know. So she was Daisy Fuentes mm-hmm. of MTV doing Spring Break and whatnot. She right. saw a lot of different Richard Marks left on people back then. Spring Break. <laughs> Daisy, Fu- Daisy Fuentes. I don't know. Did she ever try to pivot to acting? Was she in the Red Dawn remake? No, I think she was. She was in movies, though. I remember she was in. I uh, think she. Yeah, I remember she tried to pivot because she was. I know she was. Well, she, she was going to be in Demolition Man as John Spartan. <laughs> yeah, she did some appearances as herself mostly. But yeah, you know what I liked about her? She seemed large. You're larger than life, like a Jessica Rabbit. More more like an athlete, you know, like how Gabby Reese was, you know? Speaking of, speaking of legends. I don't remember her that much. Like, I don't remember exactly what she looks like, I guess. It's 5'9", according to Wikipedia, so that's something that you can file away for later use. <laughs> if someone asks you, she's 5'9". She's that's almost that's... as tall <laughs> as Rob Zombie. Yep. Almost the same height. <laughs> Rob Zombie, yeah. uh, uh, a less talented filmmaker than Daisy Fuentes. <laughs> you got to hand it to Rob Zombie. He is still doing. He still gets in back behind the camera. He still works with actors and calls shots. Nobody's he still cobbles together shit films for yeah. years and years. And he still casts his uh, his lovely wife as his leading lady all the time. He, he's committed. What's her name? Sherry Tom Cullen. <laughs> Sherry. <laughs> Sherry Moon. Hyphen zombie, right? Is she hyphen the I, zombie? I don't, I don't think so. I think it's just Sherry Moon zombie. Can you imagine like them getting married, the person that had to issue the the, the wedding license or whatever, having to put zombie on that? Oh <laughs> fuck me, you know? Yeah, my love, fuck my life. Rob, Zom- like, Rob Zombie's taken. God, this is mere weeks it. after they created matrimony for Eddie Gargoyle and <laughs> Susie Igor. <laughs> 
this how is is, is this rob does he is this his first marriage? Like, I don't know his his dating past, Rob Zombie. Is he? Did he take a while to get nailed down? Was he was he one of those guys that like couldn't be tied down, and then all of a sudden he found his one? By the way, full, real name is Robert Bartlett Cummings. I never knew that. Seriously? Yeah, Bartlett. Oh, how's that spelled? B a r t l e h, which I just think is gross. Bartlett. Bartlett. Well, ashamed I mean, of his last name, didn't want to hit the road as Robert Cummings, I guess. So he switched, he flipped it. Robert Cummings, um, the name of uh, an old uh, Chud message board person. Let's zoom in. He is still a musician too, right? Like he still tours the world as a musician. And by the way, Sherry Moon is not her real name either. It's Sherry Lynn Skirkus. Mm, I like that name, Skirkus. Yeah. It's, it's a miracle they changed their names. Guys, I mean, I'd like to think that you're up early listening to this as well. Can I, can I tap a time out here? Just yeah. real quick and stay on Rob Zombie. I just went, just quickly looked, just quickly looked on um, Wikipedia and it it has a siblings entry, Nick, for Rob Zombie. And nice. it says siblings, it says siblings, and then there's a name, and the name is Spider One. Spider, and then one spelled out as like the last name. I click on it, it's a person. So what, what what's happening here is Rob Zombie, and this guy's a musician too, super famous as Rob Zombie. He has a a very much lesser known brother with an even stranger, uh, stranger name, and not famous, but he's still out there uh, as, as Spider One. He's played with in the bands with him, though. Yeah, Spider Zombie, and sometimes Spider spelled with a Y. He has aliases, though, like Spider Zombie, MC Spider, Master Spider. Uh, hmm. He plays in that Power Man 5000 nightmare. How's it working out for him? He has a Wikipedia page. Spider One in this. Never didn't direct a movie. I like that about him. I don't think he's a filmmaker like his brother, who makes worthless trash, like shit. <laughs> for a, for about twelve minutes, I really liked The Devil's Rejects, and then the more I think about it, and then when I tried to rewatch it, oops. I, I I like two of his films. Uh, I kind of like The Devil's Rejects, but I de- I can't watch that movie anymore. Um, and because of his other films, because of his Halloween remakes, I've sworn off all films by him. I have you not said- seen a. I've not seen one since Halloween too. You said you like a couple of his films though. What's the other? I like I like some of House of a Thousand Corpses. I I do realize that movie is also kind of bad, but he he recently did didn't he do a he did a third kind of like what what are the what are those the group called that was in the Double Reject? I don't care. Um, he did a third one. I never saw that, but I, I just won't watch his films. I can't can't do it to myself. They uh that was a, that was a movie that they had it had gotten hype because of Rob Zombie and people really. Wanted to see it, and I think when it came out in a limited release, it had big numbers. I think it was. Direct, I am the one. Film and Sherry Moon. I do like Living Dead Girl, the song that his band did, and its use in Bride of Chucky. I do like that. That's some Zoom. It's a premium seven in the morning Zoom. It's waking me up. Or as it's it's known in the Royal Palace, Mm -hmm. Bride of Charles. That's fair enough. Uh, so look, yeah. guys, it's a movie micro. It's a show in which we zoom in. We watch a film through glassy, teary, wet eyes. We ask glass. <laughs> we munch a mugwump until it's boring. Take a walk down Mamory Lane. Point our fingers towards the star child. We wrist murder a bock. We walk on the surface of the moon like a witch. <laughs> we take a mountain stroll and take a mountain piss. We pull our belt off just in time. We sand the harvester during the midnight. We rummage through our stomach, have sex with the matriarch. Whip out a celluloid boner. You know, we watch a film through the eye of Braxis. That's how it makes a break show with the likes of the listeners. So 
We were talking about traces of red. We wouldn't talk about the scene where Jim Belushi has a sex scene and nobody laughs. <laughs> talk about the little moments. <laughs> I don't know this movie. Traces you, of you red. Absolutely, one hundred percent do know this movie. How? Who's in it? Give me. I think it's uh, the, the Brock Brocko. I guarantee because I, I, you go. You used to go to Blockbuster, and this tape was ubiquitous. Is this a is this an erotic thriller starring James Belushi? Does this 100%, exist? One hundred percent. Look at the poster. <laughs> you'll know. You'll know once you see it. Does he play like a? Is it like a? Is he play like a cop or something? He, is he, it? I think he's a cop who is framed for murder, and he fucks Lorraine Bracco. Oh my God, Nick! Is this a real? You don't remember, you, <laughs> but, you, they you put James Belushi in an erotic thriller. I'm telling you. Look at the. You've you've seen this. The panic that he must have gone through when he had to take his shirt off for takes. If he's in, if he's rolling around in bed, I hand it to them. I got to hand it to him. I, this makes me like him more. If he dove head first into the erotic thriller territory as James Belushi, is he kissed on screen? I haven't seen it. <laughs> Who had the balls to cast him as a, as a, as a, as a love interest? So they cast him as somebody who gets laid. I mean, it's just, it, I, we All have right. to do, we have to watch that one. I don't believe it. Kind Thank of beloved you. figure on Twitter. 92. Right now. Tony Goldwyn in it too. Oh, William Russ. He's right. the, he's the director. No, no, William Russ, the actor. Is he still around? I hope. I hope he made it through COVID. He lives six six foot tall. Andy Wolk directed it. It's a neo erotic thriller starring James Belushi. It's insane. That's incredible. Okay, after a limited theatrical release, it became a surprise hit on the home video market. I'm telling you, it was everywhere. I wonder if it was um because I bet the cover was sexy or something. It was. It, it looked like is it blue? Attraction. It's, is it, it blue? Like, it looks like Fatal Attraction. I got some bad news. Hmm? Lorraine Bracco used a body double. Did not want to be seen rubbing skin with Belushi, apparently. I don't know why. On, on, on Wikipedia, it says it made 224.8% more revenue on home video than it did in theaters. That's a very strange Zoom. I do remember this this cover. Absolutely. I'm telling you. it's. Oh, my God. James Belushi is digging into her <laughs> and Lorraine Bracco on the cover of this thing. He's really... That's an embarrassing shot. For who? Well... And he's aiming at her Adam's apple here, or her that that area for, you know, for her, right? Like he's guess what's on to me. <laughs> this is a troubling. Um, I'm, the more I look at the poster for this film, it's it's troubling. It, it only gets more good. Thirty years thirty years old this year. Unfucking believable that that this miracle happened on our watch. Man, traces of red. You pulled that out of nowhere. Is it because I, I was pretty is it because the red? red okay, so yeah. It, it, well, first of all, red because traces of red and red. But the title of this movie, Red Dawn, it looks like when when it comes up uh, during the credit sequence, it looks like somebody had written Red Dawn on a mirror and lipstick. That's kind of what the font looks like. You are definitely this. putting way more thought into it than I did. We had the same idea. Like, this is exactly, we're aligned here, right? Simpatico? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Sam Shepard. Nick, NATO dissolves. I can't believe it. Yeah. Dissolves. In a, you know, Soviet Union suffers worst wheat harvest in 55 years. That's what you're reading as this movie begins to unfurl before your very eyes uh, against black screen. Some white lettering here. And unfortunately, the United States stands alone. The baddies are coming, man. They're coming, right? Yeah. And and as we get shots of the cast, this stellar cast list 
over clouds. We Which start in the sky, Nick. Fitting for most of them because that's where they wind up at the end of the film. That's true. But do you think that's the enemy coming towards how you met Colorado? Is that what's happening here? Is that are they the ones in the clouds? I think it's uh I think they used stock photography and needed to put credits up. I think that might be it. Uh, let's run down the cast list here, Nick. That's a cast of thousands. This famous faces in here. William Smith. Yes. Ron O'Neill. Yep. What? What you got, is it? I'm running out. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> you got, I I guess, Jennifer Grey. I'll start with uh, the biggest here, Powers Booth. I mean, certainly beloved by us. I'm going to start with the second biggest, Judd Oman. Yeah, who's that? He played he, one. Of, he, he played one of the military men. One of the baddies. Yeah. Of course, you got Pat Kirk Swayze in here. Is that his middle name? No, it's Pat Patrick Swayze. That's that old guy that died, Ben something or other. He's dead. Yeah, yeah Ben Johnson. Charlie Sheen in here. Frank McRae from Lockup. Short, short, short-lived performance in this, but memorable. You got Harry Dean Stanton. You got Darren Dalton, not the catcher for the Phillies. From Outsiders, you got the Outsiders. You got. C. Thomas Howell. A little zoom in, his first name, C. <clears throat> you know what the C stands for? Calibos. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. You got, Charles, you got Charles Sheen. I think I said Charles Sheen, but I did not say Leah, Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson, yeah. who uh, was a childhood crush of mine, was a big fan. You, you did not like her. I, did, I never liked her, but I did like Jennifer Grey. So <clears throat> we both have childhood crush in it. True. Is that? Do we nail everybody here? There's a, there's a couple other people. Like there's uh, Danny Savage. I think there's one of the kids. I looked up. Or, or Brad Savage and Doug Toby plays Aardvark. And there's something that bugs me about this movie. Oh, and me I'm too. Say it me right too. Away. By the way, yeah. I know. Well, you don't like any of it. So this character's name. He's one of the kids, and we'll set up the premise, but. He's one of the kids that turns into, um, you know, part of the rebellion here against the invading army. And his nickname in this is Aardvark, which I don't think they ever say. I don't think anybody ever calls him Aardvark until he gets killed. And Leah Thompson screams his name out, but it does not sound like Aardvark. It sounds it sounds like she goes, Ivic. And so I had to put the subtitles on. Because I was like, what is she saying? Is his name Ivic or is it Isaac or something? In the subtitles, she says, Ivic! And it says Aardvark on the subtitles. I don't think she nailed it, Nick. And I'm thinking maybe she had never, she just never had said, they didn't, maybe that's a, that's a, that's a, a worry word for her. Is there such a thing? Yes. A word that she's nervous to say and can't get it right. Yes. You have any of those in your life? Yeah. A worry word? You, you really, nothing. I mean, I'm something that you stumble over. I stumble over more words than you, sir. You're articulate. If I were an action figure, I would have at least 30 points of articulation. Ivic! <laughs> so what, what, once you go hit the premise of this. John Milius has a huge hard on for shooting. Yeah. Look, I mean, you know, if you're going to launch an invasion on American soil, of course you're going to Colorado. And that's what the commies do. And we're mm-hmm. talking 80s commies. You know, these are right. the guys that, you know, they're about authoritarian rule they kick ass they they hate people's stuff they they want to rule they 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 want you know to, to keep the, the the people down not like today's commies that want you know like kids to be able to choose their gender and you know um maybe you know get through high school without killing themselves and you know like those not the kind of commies that you know like want to feed people and sure you know, kill the n n word and so you know like these are like these are like Less dangerous commies back th- back then. 
<laughs> so they come to America and they start fucking shit up, and we have a yeah, rag- not all. And it, it's a it's a it's a rag. It's not an army of just like the Soviets, right? Yeah, it's like Cubans. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of those San Salvadorians. Is it? Yeah. Nicar- is it? Yeah. So a lot of lot of a, yeah. they're proximity. working together. They're yeah. working together to hate on the USA. They come. They come violent. They came. They come. They come ready to kill. Ready to um, take over. And they and they do. They devastate. Cal, you met Colorado, which I believe is a made-up town in Colorado. Not a made-up word. No, I've heard it. Used in The Shining. Is it true? Zoom? Yeah. Zoom? Uh, is this a Zoom? What? You Zooming? Yeah, it's a, it's a big uh, recurring theme in, in, the, in The Shining, in the movie. That's a oh brand. God. And then it's also, uh, I think that's where, uh, what's his name? Stephen Avery uh, from Making a Murderer. He lived in that town, Calumet. And oh my God. Let, let me zoom in. <laughs> One of my favorite bourbons is a 15-year-old Calumet. So <laughs> so if you're out there shopping and you see that 15 sit on the shelf, it's not not cheap. Worth the taste. Yeah. Yeah. And what is wow, it? It's, it's, an, it's an Indian word for a uh, – it's, pi- it's either a pipe or an axe or something like that. I keep forgetting. I got to look at the bottle and start drinking right now. Uh, at seven. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And it says a North, the definition is a North American Indian peace pipe. Yeah. Wow, Nick. You – you spun gold out of out of that word. You spent golden zooms <laughs> at seven forty eight in the morning about Calumet. Yeah. The word Calumet, the term, the word. Yeah, there's a product that shows up in The Shining quite a bit. You didn't have any word worry over I saying did. Calumet. I noticed. Yeah, you're right. Like it's you know, in this movie is what would happen if an outside like group invaded our country, right? Like if the if the if we were destroyed from the outside instead of. Well, we're currently on track for destroyed from the inside, you know. Exactly, so yeah. yeah, so this is and this is a fictional movie. This is a science fictional movie in a way. It's a it's a forecast. It's 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 it was made in eighty four. I believe it's set in nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Yeah. Another zoom. On the lip of the future, this movie. Uh, it's its original title. And you say that they I would say that these guys don't exactly nail it in their invasion. It's a sloppy invasion. <sighs> It's not slot. I mean, it's a weird thing, I think, because this movie started one of your people that you kind of like. Kevin Reynolds is responsible for the original screenplay here, who is a close associate with Kevin Costner. Like they worked a lot together. He wrote this original screenplay and he was set to direct it. But they I think they thought he was too untested. They were so wrong. They ha- handed it over to Milius, who and this and I think Kevin Reynolds, like, according to IMDb trivia, he kind of wrote an anti-war picture. And Amelia's got involved and didn't like he kind of changed it. <laughs> so it it is a weird mixture of two things here. I, I think it does retain some of its I don't know anti-war things, but there's certainly the bad guys aren't necessarily painted as horrible people all the time. Like you you kind of feel bad for them sometimes, and and the, and the good and the good guys get a little bloodlust. They do, yeah. So it, it's it's kind of an interesting, but I I feel like this movie is a little bit edited strangely. There's some stuff that kind of is just fast forwarded over that I, I feel is missing. And then, yeah, there's a, there's a little mixture of, I think, what it wants to, to say. But that's okay. It's an interesting uh, part of Milius's milieu. You're a big fan of Milius? No. Really, why? Because he, he's done a lot of interesting stuff. Written a lot. I mean, he wrote, he wrote Apocalypse Now, right? Isn't like he's, 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 he did a lot of. Yeah, he, he sure did. He sure wrote that dreadfully boring movie that i that i love <laughs> that i love but it's dreadfully boring 
Um, wow. Listen to this. I love it. I love it. But there's no denying I've slept a lot during that movie. You watched the Heart of Darkness documentary. I never watched it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wrote, Daddy, wrote, Daddy wrote, Sheen. Daddy Sheen in that. He wrote, Daddy Sheen in that. He wrote Uncommon Valor. I mean, how do you how do you hate a guy? He wrote he wrote and directed Geronimo. Here comes but, here here comes um he wrote and directed Geronimo? No, Walter Hill directed it. He wrote it. Right. So, it or something. I thought Hill he I thought it. Hill he wrote it? I thought Hill wrote it. Milius was involved, for God's sakes. We we zoomed on that one already. He wrote he wrote it. He wrote the shit out of Geronimo. That's a that's a funny thing here. John Milius working with the offspring of one Martin Sheen in this movie. One of the offsprings. Yeah. And Emilio, zoom in, was originally gonna pl- play Patrick Swayze's role. Yep. I think Can it would imagine? have been it would have been so much better. Emilio would have nailed this. Yeah, I mean, who who's not gonna follow a fucking weird munchkin into battle? A weird um, flaxen haired munchkin leading these guys into battle you know um yeah the old emilio left his disney plus series over va- the vaccine mandates i think i think that's the rumor he was in the mighty ducks um you know reboot or whatever the series would and then for season two i think he i think now i might be wrong i think he's not coming back because of the vaccine mandates but then I think he also released a press statement that he's like, that's overblown. That's not why I'm coming back. Yeah. So I don't know if it's true. He's like, Maybe he put his foot down though. He's like, it, it may have to do with the fact that I'm not a huge fan of having to receive a vaccination or maybe the fact that three decades of my life being tied to mighty ducks. A lot of, yeah. And then Howard the duck with Leah Thompson. There's a lot of duck work between right. these linked actors. Did you, and, and let's face it. Patrick Swayze mm-hmm. ducked COVID. He did. Uh, he by the way, we didn't mention Lane Smith being in this. He was great in this, too. He's got an amazing scene. And we didn't mention movie microscope burgeoning legend Pepe Serna in this. That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of people once, in this movie. Once we do The Rookie, he will officially enter the pantheon of a legend. And he's, he's in the main baddie in The Rookie? No, no. He is their boss. And Oh, God, really? There is, there is an exquisite bouquet of the flair in, in which he overacts in that film. I've literally never seen anything like it. This movie, by the way, I'm going to do a quick zoom. That's very, that I noticed. And I don't know because if this movie is presented in HD, uh, you know, I, what you can watch it on. Where, where is this playing? Where did I watch it? Stars. Stars. That's right. And it doesn't look great, by the way. It like doesn't, no really... it doesn't, uh, it's not, it doesn't great in any way. There's nothing that grates about it. You watch it and nothing great happens. It started, that started out as a compliment. Nothing great. Um, so I don't know what it is, but there are fake tears throughout this movie. They always cut to characters that have been crying and they have these, like, it's almost like these pasted on tears on their face. Did you notice that? Yeah. And it's all over the place. Like, it's like they do it a lot. And I wonder if it's because back then it just, it looked fine. But now with, you know, better quality film processing or whatever that doesn't look great. Looks strange. Crocodile tears, Nick, I yeah. think is the official industry term. They squeeze the the tears from a crocodile and paste it on the actors' faces. I don't know the process exactly. No, I, they call them crocodile tears because you see what happens is they form without any real emotion attached to them. Oh, I know what that means. I was and trying because to- because they are applied to their face by a crocodile. <laughs> I was got to get defensive. I know what that means. I know what crocodile tears are. Speaking of the, the legendary alligator, recently had a revival on video. The I know, John, right? John Stills. Uh, what's the guy that directed Cujo? Directed it. 
Lewis. Uh, I mean, you're going to know. I, I'm not going to know this. Well, anyway, it's uh, yeah, that, that just got a remaster. That's a great that's a fun movie. Lewis. I've Teague. never never seen it. Oh, it's a classic. Robert Forrester. Bob Forrester. It features an alligator. 30 feet long, I believe. And then what? Is it, that, that actor from The Godfather is in it, too. It's not the movie that like somebody flushed like a baby alligator down the toilet. Yeah. That's the one? Yeah. That used to terrify me when I was a kid. I, I was like, I just was almost afraid to sit on toilets after I heard about the premise of that film, which that's crazy because the alligator grows way down in the pipes. Yeah. And then comes out. It doesn't come back through the toilet. doesn't wiggle his way through the pipes again. No. That's still terrified. He gets huge and comes out of the sewer. Yeah. It's a good movie, huh? I love it. And, you know, John Sayles famously wrote it. And it's one of those, it's one of those very well-reviewed movies. It's always had that cult kind of tag associated with it. It was never, it was never, uh, it it never needed a revival. It was always beloved. John Sayles, one of the best to ever do it. Yep. By the way, I, mm -hmm. I follow him on Facebook and he is getting up there. And, sure. And he, he and his wife does most of the posting because I don't know if he's in great health or because he just doesn't want to be involved. I don't know if he's making movies anymore, but it's good to know he's out there. Also, one of those guys that he, he had acting aspirations. He's a good actor. He's a very good actor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But known primarily for his writing, then his secondarily for his directing, and then way down like in the around 10 for acting. Like he never was in anything huge, right? Like, he was in a lot of his own stuff. In, in, right. I, I think uh, you're, you're selling short his directing acumen. No, no, no. I love his, I love his movies. I, I, but I think he's primarily known for his writing. Yeah, because he used to say. do a lot of script doctoring and, mm-hmm. and, and all yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's great. I, you know, I'm trying to think of a movie that he's not a – like the, he, they just hired him to act in. I'm trying to wonder, like, is there anything that he didn't write or direct that he was in? Yeah. Probably. Can't, can't think off the top of my head. Not in this. He's not in Red Dawn, but what ha- at the beginning of this movie, there's... I'm glad we're 50 minutes in and we're talking oh about God. the beginning of the movie. Patrick Swayze, Charlie Sheen, uh, and their buddy Aardvark. You know, Patrick Swayze's dropping his brother, who's Charlie Sheen, off to school with his friend, like I said, Aardvark. Patrick Swayze playing a recent grad, high school graduate, looking and is actually 32 in this movie. A little bit older than you'd expect. And anyway, all the kids are in history class getting taught about Genghis Khan when they look out out the window and see some paratroopers. Yeah. That's a confusing sight to them. They're, they're wondering what's going on. The teacher's like, well, they're off course. Let me go out there and greet them. Yeah. I, my first two notes, because I, like I said, I don't remember Dick about this movie. My first two notes was Frank McRae in this with an exclamation point because mm-hmm. I was excited. My next note is Frank McRae out of this. <laughs> right. So he almost instantly. He goes out as the as these soldiers have landed and are setting up weapons like guns, and he starts to try to understand what they're doing. And they spray this 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 kind of terrified soldier, this this soldier that's frantically trying to get his his gun set um, on a stand, fires at Frank McRae and rips him apart with bullets, and then sprays the windows of the school where the kids are looking out and seeing what's happening. One kid, and, yeah. Does not make it in that shot. One kid gets a headshot, and that's the thing that always disturbed me. I couldn't believe, like that's a, that was a weird, like you had said, seeing that the kids are expendable, and this was a weird one. You know, when I was when I was a child, I don't know it was a headshot. I just know that he's draped over the the window. 
Yeah, they show a little bullet hole in his little cute little bullet hole in his. Uh, it sucks. Yeah, I feel bad. And he doesn't. The good part about it, he doesn't look dead. It looks like he's acting. That's a small comfort. The kids are frantically trying to get out of the school because it's been there's a siege happening, and Patrick Swayze goes and picks up his his all the all the kids that have be, that become the rebel group in this film, or most of the kids, right? He's got a pickup truck, and they skedaddle out of there. With yeah, a, with a truckload of kids, and, and there's a scene where they're sort of escaping, and it's annoying as hell because they're shooting people and they're corralling mm-hmm. people. They're doing two things. These soldiers, they're hoarding some people for captivity, and they're shooting others. But it's weird that they choose not to shoot. When they do shoot, they don't shoot well. But they oftentimes just don't even shoot at it. There's a lot of scenes that are very awkwardly filmed where it's just weird. There's even a shot where a guy is obviously falling down while he's shooting, and they mm-hmm. cut it right before he falls down. It's pretty bad. Yeah. It's, it's a frantic scene. It's not it's, exactly. It's not like the escape. It's not like Dawn of the Dead, the remake, where the, where's that shot where they kind of cut out of town. That's really cool. Sure. This is not cool. And this is small town America. Like John Millis, like sets the stage. Like so, yeah, you're seeing this quiet town. This is before. I think the movie begins with like a shot of like a crossing guard, a paper boy. And it, don't and they show a dime store and a statue? Don't they show the statue? Teddy Roosevelt statue. You know, it's like busted with like a with with a line that I think reappears at the end of the film. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> this scene is trying to accomplish one thing that basically that this is, you know, there's an attack and these kids are they have to fight to survive. Right. They have to tr- try to get away to survive. And so Swayze, they stop by C. Thomas Howell's daddy's store and his dad uh, sells guns and, 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 and camping equipment. And he's like, boys. Take what you need. Get out of here. And, you know, they load up the truck. And I always thought that was a great scene because they, they grab some fun stuff in that store. Yeah. And obviously, grab guns and, you know, bow and arrow and all that stuff. But one of the kids grabs a football. Of course. Still in his packaging, which I thought was nice. They grab some Cheerios, um, snacks, water. Oh, they drink a lot. Of, they grab a lot of soft drinks. A lot of, a lot of soup. And they, they load up that truck, and as they're peeling away, the dad calls the police and says, I've been robbed. I told them to take a few things, not my whole store. No, I love it. I love it because, uh, first of all, right before that, there's a shot where somebody has a uh, an NRA sticker on their car. Like, you can, take, you can have my gun when you take it from my cold, dead fingers. Right. And, and then a guy takes his gun from his cold, dead fingers, which I thought yeah, was Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, that was, that's a, kind of a famous shot from this, I think. No, I remember it. There's nothing famous from this. And then... After the shopping spree, C. Thomas Howell says to his father, "Tell mom I love her." You remember what sure. his dad? You remember what his dad's response is? No. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he says. Yeah. Well, he's he, nervous. This is this is a big day for them. This is a this is a t- tough day. He says, "Yeah." <laughs> well, I mean, have you never? Their last. Th- they're parting and parting is a sweet sorrow and they know that they may never see each other again. Maybe throw your kid a bone. Say, I will tell her that, that you love her and she loves you too. See Thomas Howell. You are a great son. You'll be greatly missed. I'm about to get executed. Farewell. You know, it said, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Is his name? See <clears throat> Thomas Howell's is his name. Robbie in this. Let's try to remember the actual, actual characters names. Like before I look it up. Let's just try to go through. I know that Swayze's Jed. Sick boy. Wrong movie. Uh, Mike? I, I know that Powers Booth plays Andy and Swayze's Jed. My, uh, I think Charlie Sheen plays Yeb Papatoon. 
<laughs> Jennifer Grey plays Tony. I think I'm getting this right. Somebody's Danny. I think the the guy that that, that portrays him's Danny. And that's I all I really. Leah Thompson remember. is the evil that men want. Leah Thompson, late, lately a director, by the way, and um, her daughter works a ton in uh, Zoe Zoe Dutch Dutch I think Dutch Dutch. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say her name. Dude. She's great, actually. Her her kid's good. Kind of stole um, Zombieland too. I thought. Let me zoom in. Yeah, I, I, she was annoying. No, she's great in that movie. You really didn't like her. No, she was fine, but she got it. Just she was highlight. Little much after a while. Oh my god, Leah Tom- Leah Thompson out here is directing episodes of Picard. Uh, she plays Erica. We live in the worst. Up. We live in the worst universe. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so Robert C. Thomas Howe, Charlie Sheen plays Matt, which I'm not sure they ever say. The kid that survives and then the betrayer is Daryl. But mo- most importantly, Ron O'Neill um, plays Colonel Bella in this. <laughs> uh, anyway, so they, they're heading to the mountains, Nick. They have to hide out because the the army's invaded. They're tearing up the town. The kids have to, they can't hide in where, the, where these, this army's going to be looking. They got to go out and scrap and scrape and survive in the wilderness, in the woods, in the mountains. And it's September, Nick. I mean, it's not exactly summertime. It's on the lip of winter here. Right. Okay? Yeah. But the good thing is, these kids are dressed for winter. They got coats. And one of my Zooms here that's very strange is they're having this first meeting where Swayze is kind of like trying to calm everybody down. And a couple of the kids are like, we need to go back to town. We need to try to save people. Or we need to turn ourselves in, that kind of stuff. And as they're fighting, as they're having this argument, there's about there's five of them, I think, and they're wearing coats. And it's almost like the costume designer just there's two of them have gray the same gray puffer coat, then two of them have the same beige puffer coat, then one of them has blue. When you get a group of kids together, no one's having the same coat all the time. You know what I'm saying? unless okay maybe i'm wrong maybe they grab the coats from the hardware store or the not the hardware store this that you see thomas howell's daddy's store maybe they grab the coats there and i didn't see it probably but so anyway swayze's having this argument he's trying to be the leader and there's another zoom here as he keeps trying to put his hand in his pocket as he's you know having these arguments with um one of the other kids that wants to go back to town and he keeps He's upset and he keeps trying to put his hand in his pocket, but the coat's too new or something. He doesn't know where it is. He cannot get his hand in his pocket. He tries it twice, and then they cut to him later. He's got his hands hands jammed in there. That's fantastic. So that's a pretty pretty big zoom. If I, you know, if you look in that scene, he misses pocket. Looks like I need to rewatch twice. this movie. Twice he Maybe. slides his he slides his hands he slides his hands off the outer pocket. I'm telling you. I'm not lying. It's not a lie. I'm not here making stuff and, up. And a guy known for his dexterity, you know, his he's a ballet man, you know, to he not is, be able to right? thrust hands at the pockets. That's that's an early uh, career, you know, pitfall that Patrick Swayze faced. They're like he Missed was sweating, pocket, sweating yeah. bullets. He's like, man, I I landed the triple Lindy with Jennifer Grey and Dirty Dancing, but I could not get thrust hand in pocket. Apparently, Jennifer Grey and Swayze did not get along here. And I didn't know that. Did they have? Did they not get along on Dirty Dancing either? I don't know. You don't know the ins and outs of, of DD? I know I've been to the lake where they filmed it. What is the lake called? Lake Lore. Really? Yeah. Oh, 
Nice. <laughs> that's but, another uh, Jim, Jim Belushi erotic thriller. That's the second one he did, Lake Lure. Yeah, it's, it's, with, it's with him and the crocodile from Lake Placid. No, okay, so there's a there's a, a sign in this that I don't know if you noticed. There's a, it's like, well, you know, come to store lake or something. Did you, do you remember the sign? And when they're driving, was, it's like. I was having hot flashes throughout this experience. I was like looking at my watch, t- dabbing my forehead. So I must've missed that. So come to store. It's like S T O R R E lake or something. I have a note. I'll, I'll come across it, but there is a fish, this provocative fish, like huge fish. That's kind of like a, with a come hither look, like kind of a sexy look like come to store lake you know wink at the you know like come like a, find it's like, me it's like a come upstream look and it's you know come fish me out of the lake and then we can get up to some some dirty business like yeah. that's what it seems like it's saying in that sign did you, you did not notice this are you talking about the fuck my gills fish that's i'm just saying i've never i don't think this is might be the first time that i've seen a movie capture i mean yeah. whatever we all know about fish a sexy creature a sexy beast you right know? right a water Slip- nymph if i've ever heard one a slippery just a narf. Speaking, what... <laughs> of, spe- speaking of sexual times, yes. uh, the, r- before they arrive up the mountain, they're forced, uh, their car breaks down after a skirmish with some baddies. Yeah, they get a roadblock. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a scene where one of the young men is uh, forced to pee in the radiator of the truck. Oh, yep. And I was reading the IMDb trivia, and uh, apparently a young Victor Salva saw this in the theater, decided he wanted to be a filmmaker. Uh, yeah, so... so- so they all are like, we, you know, are, are, yeah, we need to get this truck going. Cause yeah, they hit a roadblock and they get fired upon, but then they get saved by like a, like a jet or like a helicopter, something like shoots at the bad guys and they get saved. And so, yeah, they're trying to get their truck started. And Swayze plays the scene quite heavy <laughs> as he's commanding one of the young kids. The kid's like, is this going to work? Peeing the radio is like, yeah, don't question me. Like he acts like it should be a jokey scene, kind of like a fun scene, but right. he plays it. Yeah, like an army colonel yeah. commanding this kid to piss into the car. They cut out yeah. the scene where he has to shit in the gearbox, too. That was a, a little prank. <laughs> no, trust us. Take a big wet one here on this gear and then charge Yeah, they. It, what this is saying is that they, they forgot to grab water. They don't have any water with them. So they're headed into the mountains with all sorts of supplies. Um, I think they got a light bright from this place. They got some wacky wall crawlers, but they forgot the water. Yeah. And they're like, that's going to be a problem, possibly, right? We do have RC Cola. And but... we have a pallet of condoms. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of the emails you keep getting, I imagine. Um, some mesh condoms. So, oh, another thing. So I wrote down some of the stuff they take here. I forgot to mention, they do, the Capri Sun, very prominent in that place. There's a couple standees advertising Capri Sun amidst all, there's a lot of guns and Capri Suns that's in this good, guy's store. That that's sounds like the, your hip-hop album. He's, like, uh, confused when well, he's there. This may be right, right at the dawn of Capri Sun. It may have been a hot product at the time. Like, cause that was the Red Dawn? The Red Dawn of Capri Sun? Yeah, I mean, may, people weren't bursting straws into bags a whole lot up until then. Speaking of missing pockets, like Swayze's hands, did you ever get that straw and just miss? Like all the, all the it time, slid off the the Capri Sun, right? Like it never. Or yeah, you get a double stab, and then you're sucking it like a like a beer. Oh, or you suck. The, the, <laughs> you stabbed you stabbed through. There's no way you haven't stabbed through. Of Who course, I, I have. Yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. But most of the time, it was like sliding off, and I wasn't getting it right. Have you, then you use scissors sometimes to get a hole in there and then put the straw through that. 
You ever do that? No. Mess, just poke it with no. something else other no. than straw? Nope. It was what always was a straw. Always a straw. Sometimes the straw was like the fucking adamantium. It'd go right through the bag, go through the butt, back of the bag, go through mm-hmm. your hand, go through Xander Berkeley, go through Jeanette Goldstein. It's crazy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Capri Sun, though, man, they prominently featured in this. And they never see the show the kids. That would have been nice to see them around the campfire sucking on some Capri Sun no. as they're and I miserable wonder, about their I can't families dying. I, I never thought about this. What happened if you pop one of them in the freezer? Can you have like a Capri Sun pop? All right, let's take a break. Let's go find this out. Do they still make them? Capri Sun? People still stabbing bags like Calibos? <laughs> yes. Capri Sun is prominent in the in the store. Wow. And we still buy it from my from my kids sometimes for sure. We should we should get out of our, our respective careers and start a Capri Sun margarita bag. You know? Oh, that's not yeah, that's not a bad idea. Or maybe a Capri Sun energy drink. Do they have that? Like just walking around with pouches? That it feels like an astronaut food. Am I wrong? Is it feels like like something that astronauts would would dig into it in space. Is that where, is that NASA would never approve the design? The design would never make it through NASA. Free space. Can you imagine you, you have limited resources. You stab through the bag and you're scrambling in space, trying to lick up all the floating anti-grav Capri Sun. That's another thing. Is it, if it, is that that's, you're right. Can you get enough momentum to get the straw through the bag in space? You know, cause everything is, you know, you're always floating slowly in anti-gravity, right? Oh, that'd be frustrating trying to get the straw, the wow. enough momentum to get the straw. I don't know how it works. It just seems like it couldn't happen. Can you imagine uh, alien Dallas is back into a corner on the ship aliens patrolling. He tries to pop open a Capri Sun and oops, alerts the alien to his presence. First of all, secondly, splish splash and sticky liquid all over himself in that Nostromo. I draw attention to myself. The alien comes or and tries it, to do it. Is Tulaco or the Nostromo in that one? The Stromo. Okay, just make Come it. on, Nick. You know it. You're just and so this is why I would I draw attention to myself. Alien would become beelining towards me. And everybody like the you know, it's the frantic, I'm panicking. Alien does this little mouth shooter at me. It's, it's what do they call that? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I duck hold the Capri Sun up, it pops the Capri Sun bag. Yeah. With this little animal that I run away, quickly drink that thing before the alien gets me. Anyway, we're I think we're off topic. I think the poster did say in space no one could pop the bag. <laughs> See Thomas Howe wearing a Star Wars baseball cap in this. Hey, wearing it and, like a, wearing it cool too. Wearing it like a cool and, dude. See Thomas Howe in ET, correct? If if so, yeah, it's, yeah. it has to be a tiny part. Yeah, he's one of the he's one of the friends, I believe. So the argument here is they're having this fight. Jed's big thing is like their kids are like, we need to go back from Swayze's argument to get everybody to stay in the mountains because like some of the kids want to go back. They want to be with their family. They're worried about their families. And he's like, I don't know about you, but my family want me to stay alive. He gives that argument, which sounds a little bit self-serving yeah. to me, but I get it. Yeah, you don't want to go back. It, it looks pretty bad down there. So he convinces everybody to stay. They hug it out and then they start wearing tree branches and shooting animals. Drinking mm-hmm. heart juice. Yeah, there's a so there's a thing here where they're they're they have you know, another memorable scene to me. Sometimes called sometimes called blood. <laughs> they hunt a deer, they kill it, and then they make the two brothers say to see Thomas Howell, who's this kind of scared kid, they make him drink the deer uh the blood of his first kill. They said he's gonna be forever changed after this, something their dad used to do with them. Or it's like a ritual. And see Thomas Howe's like, it's not that he kept saying it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And it does change him. He turns from scared kid to he kind of a psycho in this. Can I zoom in? Mm-hmm. 
I don't think it was drinking the deer's heart that changed him. I think it was killing people. Well, he found he found out that his his like he later finds out that his family's dead, or at least he knows his dad was murdered um, because they found guns missing. The kids took the guns, and so then in that, of course, changes him. But and then and they then go so, back to town. But at as some his point. father's dying, see Thomas mm-hmm. shows is is mom dead too? His dad goes, yeah. <laughs> they go back to town and. They find you know they convince Swayze that they need to go back to town and, and and find out what's going on. They've been in the mountains for a while, and they kind of roll back into town, this occupied city of or small town of Calumet. Walk down the streets and find their way to the driving. They at first they hit this store where the woman kind of tell the the woman that works there is telling them you know their family. A lot of people are gathered up at the drive-in and been imprisoned there, and they go visit. And find their dad. This is, you know, uh, Patrick Swayze and Charlie Sheen's daddy, who played by Harry Dean Stanton. Legend. Speaking of alien. Gives a very, um, you know, he's got like a five minute turn in this, maybe less, but gives kind of a very memorable performance in this where he talks about, I know I was hard on you boys. Now you know why. That kind of thing. I know you hated me. You know, but he talks about. And now you know why, because I knew that we were going to get invaded by a combination of Cubans and Argentinians. And the kids are crying. And, you know, Harry Dean Stanton doesn't know where the mom is, says that they have to. They can't, there's no crying anymore. You can't cry. It's not time for crying. Get out of here. Save yourselves. That kind of thing. And as they're leaving, he says, avenge me to the boys. He shouts it. And they're like, all right, we got you. We got you, Dad. First, we need to get watch you get shot later on. And Here's where they pick up their hotties, though. They get they, they mm-hmm. go to this cottage where Ben Johnson's hanging ass. And uh, he's got he's – got, uh, he, my, favorite, my favorite thing that I certainly didn't remember from this movie, mm-hmm. the old Frozen radio. That is, that is interesting. So, yeah, they find their way to Ben Johnson. Yeah, he does – he gives them some supplies. And one of them is a, hit, a radio he had hidden, I guess, like or some kind of – you know, think something that he pulled out of his freezer, but yeah, it's an ice. Does this still work once it's thawed out? Well, the, the thing that there's no way that it works, <laughs> but it's so funny. It's like because you have to put it in water for a long time before it becomes that frozen radio. So he's right. putting, he's basically putting a radio, submerging it in water, and putting it in the freezer for hours, hoping. Yeah, that, but he, but he, he's hiding stuff from the from right from the enemy. I just yeah. don't think that works. I think maybe surround it in a bag. Put it, put it in a ziplock before you. Yeah, it's like it looks like you put it in like some kind of <clears throat> pie holder or something like that. Yeah, exactly right. Um, but I love that frozen radio. He's like, look, first of all, I'm going to give you a frozen radio. Secondly, I'm going to give you two vaginas. That's right. He has he's hidden some um, children in his floor under his floor, floorboards, and he gives them to the to the. This is where I think C. Thomas Howe finds out that his parents, his dad, got killed. And and then he gets to get some fake tears applied to his I, eyes. I just think it's very weird how the film delivers these two girls to them. It just feels now Why? granted. It just it just feels it just feels weird. I mean, granted, these they end up being two like two of the more hard asses in the group. But it's mm-hmm. it's just so funny that these teenage boys and these guys are bequeathing these two girls. It just comes off a little weird to me. Well, it's weird. What ha- what they do imply is that they were. Um, assaulted, uh, sexually assaulted by the enemy, and they have, or something like that happened, in order to keep them out of the the clutches of the enemy. They, they've been hidden for a long, for a while there in, in this in this cabin, and so 
Ben Johnson's wife doesn't want them, doesn't want him to, they, he, she wants to keep storing them there. And, but he's like, you take care of these guys now. He does this really cool speech about milk right before he lets him out from underneath the floorboards. It's pretty cool. Does he? he does. I don't. I don't remember. Okay, so you're joking. Little, little inglorious. Oh, that's right. God. So on the wall, there's a ton of spices and jars. This woman must be quite a cook, or the man. I don't know. Maybe the daddy, the dad, the, the Ben Johnson's the cook here. But whoever's cooking in this household, they got a lot of supplies they got a lot of stuff to work with and they're not just serving up spaghettios there you know what i'm saying right i gotta take a hard sad left went to two grocery stores yesterday could not find wagon wheels oh man I'm did you sorry. really look for them i was looking hard i wanted to, i was gonna get you some and they didn't have any they, they look like the trivial pursuit board pieces exactly Is that what they look like exactly they still exist right because i think i googled I, them after i am that. ordering it off of amazon right now and what's it called like we the name of it what's the official name it's not wagon wheel, Rotel. Yeah, and it, then so they get. Oh my god! Get a, in a pinch, in a pinch. What you're missing? Some trivia pursuit pieces. <laughs> you get a pea. That's perfect, right? You get a pea yeah. and some pasta. Yeah, fuck yeah! Play some trivia with some peas and food. You can um, subscribe to Wagon <laughs> Wheels routinely delivered. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, so this, this there's a so they get to the woods with these ladies with these young women and Leah Thompson with the huge zoom here stares off into the distance and says, things are different now. No shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now it has been months, you know, at least a month, but, um, she got some wild hair in this. I'll zoom in. She did not look like she had a, a brush here. She let those locks, that's Roam for, free. That's for damn sure. Doesn't look like she doesn't look like she's you know, and maybe that's part of her commitment to the character. She was like, you know, she wouldn't be worrying about brushing her hair, which is probably correct. She's got the wild, got the wild mane on display. Yeah. Meanwhile, Swayze's out there combing the shit out of his hair. You know, <laughs> hogging the brush. Oh, I love their ice cream. <laughs> All right, so I'm still. What do you? Are you still looking at wagon wheels pot, trivia or what? No, I'm paying. <laughs> I'm paying for wagon wheels. I, I can couple, get it, if I hurry. Couple, I can have it tomorrow. A couple, a group of likable Russians take a time out and visit the Arafo National Forest for some sightseeing, and they're like having a good time. They're taking pictures. Unfortunately for them, they are attacked by our heroes. But not brutally murdered, but not before some lying translating happens. That's right. He's reading the, the he's, sign. He's reading the, the sign about the battle and he's changing it so that it he's, he's throwing in some editorial, which I thought was he definitely of, is. Yeah. Um, yeah, they are likable and they are assassinated. One guy gets a, a bone arrow to the back and then Jennifer Gray uh, um, shoots him a lot. He gets killed. Another guy gets killed. And one guy. Makes it back to the truck after getting shot, and he's like kind of the the youngest. He makes it back, and the keys are in, not the truck, the Jeep. The keys are in the Jeep, but he decides to get on on the horn to warn his his fellow comrades something bad is taking place. Instead of zipping out of there, and then Swayze gives him a little headshot, a little little kiss, a little bullet kiss. Yeah. Um, but he looks like he Swayze doesn't love killing. He always has that pained look on his face. You know, like he's he's. He's forcing himself to cross a line. He is an actor for sure. 
the bad guys do not like that this happened. The ones that are dead? They don't like that they, they've lost three men to um, these this guerrilla army, whatever is happening with these. They've they lost a, lo- a lot more than three at this point. No, no, this is the first oh, attack. Yeah, that's right, you're right, you're right. They make um, the Americans dig graves for them, and then they uh, line them up for a firing squad and um, and kill them, including, I think, Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, I think they yeah. killed the dad. Yeah, and, he gets shot the shit out of him right there. But this is this is the back and forth. This is the trading bodies between the two factions here now. Our heroes are taking out the bad guys, and the bad guys then are trying to retaliate ineffectively after this scene. Yeah, this they sort of turn a corner and start to become an efficient machine out there doing doing their doing their deeds. Take oh, that's right. And so this is this is what happens. So the firing squad part is witnessed by not the whole group, but Charlie Sheen wearing wheat. Nick, he's wearing wheat, crawling up to this uh, you know brutal murder, you know group murder. Just shoving it in the face of the Russians. Look how much wheat we have. I'm wearing it. You guys he's had a wheat, wheat shortage, and now you had to go to war because of it. He's wearing wheat. He's in a wheat field. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's rubbing it in. But he definitely is wearing wheat. He's got a lot of wheat on him. He really took the time. Charlie Sheen's character in this loves wearing nature. Yeah. You notice that? He's always putting branches on himself. And he also he also is the one member of the group that this, that wears an enemy's uh, uniform. Like he he's grabbed their winter, their I, white winter I camouflage. Love, I, love their, I love the white camouflage in this. So do I. Yeah, yeah. It's great. They're prepared for Colorado. You got to give them that. Yeah. They're blending in with the with the, the the cold landscape. Which was the GI Joe character? Snow job. Yes. Okay. Game of skis. Right before the group gets killed, they start singing. You know, oh beautiful first. You know, they start singing very badly. And guess who ain't singing? Harry Dean. Oh, he ain't gonna sing. But that is the most off key. It sounded like listening to Frank Sinatra. You know, it's like so mm-hmm. bad. Oh, they start screaming, singing. I don't blame them. They're scared. And it's Swayze. See, I, I agree that they're probably scared, but you figure like, all right, I know I'm dying. I'm going to belt this out. I'm going to, there's going to be a little sadness in these guys' eyes when they, they hear me singing beautifully and then they kill me. I think that's more important than anything. It's like, I want to impress them with my last minute. Charlie Sheen reports back, apparently, that everybody dead from what they did. The group's crying. And Swayze gives them a command. He says, don't cry ever again as long as you live, he says, which is a tough one. And then he starts to cry, which, okay, I get it. Like he breaks his own rule um, as he clutches his brother. They start causing, causing havoc. And they're, we didn't really talk about this, but their, their home team, their sports team, is named the Wolverines. That's their, that's their high school mascot, and that's their, their team. And that's what they they assume that name as their as their re, uh, rebellious group as their you know as this, this ragtag group of the scrappy group starts to fight back. They're the Wolverines, and they start graffitiing it everywhere, taking out. That was one of the first changes Milius did to Kevin Reynolds' script because in Reynolds' script, their their team's nickname was the Bastard Bitch. And a lot of times, so what they're doing is they're 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 doing these small attacks. Like so, a tank rolls up to a gas station. Jennifer Gray's there on her bike with a picnic basket. They steal her shit from her and she starts to run away and basket explodes. Of course. And they, she, they start pursuing her and then she runs past our little gang and they're hiding in the ground and they spring up from trap doors and shoot the, the soldiers, <laughs> which is a memorable scene. I think I, pretty I clever. That scene right after that, when mm-hmm. they're cooking dinner 
and uh, they're cutting the onions and they're all tearing up and Swayze shoots them all. <laughs> I told you not to cry. By one um, request. They have a weapons. They have lots of weapons. They have grenades. They have RPGs that they're stealing from these soldiers and from this other army. They have, they're never short of bullets. They got everything. And, and they, they got unlimited amounts of grenades. Seemingly un, unlimited amount of RPGs. Uh, that's, a, that's an acronym for Ruth Projectile Ginsburg. <laughs> no, later on, a bad guy comes out as this as this starts to con- this continues as the as the rebellion continues. The, another bad guy lands, and he has a presentation for his his army, and he starts to he he breaks out a presentation on what wolverines are an actual wolverine yeah uh, what and he describes the animal and what they do I, if i was sitting in that audience i was like can we fast forward this part like is he using an overhead projector please yes yeah he has a whole presentation on he start it's just like it's filler we're getting killed by another arm like we're getting killed by what we think of as terrorists and these terrorist attacks well, i don't need to sit through your <laughs> 15 minute speech on wolverines you know uh, let me go into the history of the word. The powers boost shows up. Awful scene. It's weird because it's so much. So Leah Thompson's on watch and she, she's looking at the sky and they, she sees smoke in the sky. She hears like jet sounds and all this stuff. It's very strange. Cause it's almost like they didn't have a budget to film a crash. And so they do like all this stuff that's implied. And then all of a sudden powers, <laughs> powers booth is on the ground under a bush <laughs> in like a sleeping bag. Not and, unlike uh, Kevin Klein and Silverado, just kind of waiting to be found. And there's a funny joke where Leah Thompson holds a gun on him, and she's like, "Are you American?" And he she said, "Yeah." And and she's like, "Well, what's the capital of Texas?" And he answers correctly. He says Austin, and she says, "It's Houston." You know, <laughs> like she's about to shoot him because she doesn't know. Kind of cute. That is a really funny joke. Am I right? I mean, I'm not wrong, am I? I don't know. That's that's information we don't need. Um, That'd be weird that Austin is the capital of Texas because it's the least Texas city in the entire damn state. Yeah, um, yeah it's good. So um, Powers Booth is assimilated into the group like he's taken in and he's he has outside information. They The kids don't know what's happening worldwide. They, they're cut off from news. He very solemnly tells them, tells them over some beans that he's eating, you know, that the world's changed america's been compromised and in fact i think mostly destroyed and he says that they, you know they have a lot of like china like europe's sitting it out china is helping them but they're they've been nuked and all this stuff you know the world's and the kids are bummed and but you know powers with appreciates what they're doing he soon is is helping the group like he's kind of the father figure here for about 20 minutes i like the fact that Patrick Swayze's character doesn't become jealous of his leadership. Mm-hmm. I, for some reason, I felt that was going to happen, even though I've seen the movie many times. And I was glad to see that that didn't happen because Power exactly, is no. the best thing that's ever happened. He's great in this. And he, I, I think he was a little, according to trivia, he was a little bummed that the movie was changed. I think he was a little bit more excited about the anti-war aspect of it. He gets a love interest in Leah Thompson. And I guess the test audiences responded poorly to it. So they cut off. They had, they had a sex scene, apparently, and they cut it out because, you know, Leah Thompson comes. She's like supposed to be a high schooler in this. Mm-hmm. And Powers is is maybe in his late 30s at this point. I don't know how old he was. When looking, he on Mar- looking on Mark Duplass in this. Yeah, he's looking good, though. Yeah, Powers Booth, man. Oh, and then he's got a, he, they ask him about his family. 
and he he said they said do you have a family like do you have a family he goes i don't know he says it like everything he says is so like per it's so good i don't know but uh he gets all sad because texas has been kind of destroyed and he hears horrible things about what's happening to the people in texas but not enough doesn't care that much because he starts to uh take an interest in leah thompson who's pinning like flowers like when he's sleeping to him and acting like a child look love the one you're with right i mean yeah they even have a conversation about his wife later on he keeps saying do you really want to talk about this and he's throwing in little things like i really like it when she used to do this one thing with her mouth and here's how it happened and and she's like scrawling in her journal she's probably dead um, she probably had a bomb land on her but he says stuff like he gets mad at them because because they're they're kind of complaining that they have the same maybe food all the time. And he's like, you know, the people if they if they could have a mouthful of what you have, it would be like Christmas morning. Like he gets real mad at them for complaining, even though they're freezing their they asses off in the woods. He says that some of these people live off sawdust bread and rats and sometimes each other. Nick. Yeah. And he's like, it reminds me of my wife used to do this thing with her mouth. But Meanwhile, you know, he breaks open a freaking king crab claw sitting there talking to them. They're like, what? Yeah. Smuggle it on the plane. <laughs> I'm an eagle driver, after all. Yeah, and, you know, they're, everybody's looking to powers to kind of give them some direction. And, like, the one of the kids asked them if they're doing right by attacking the other army, if you know, killing the men. Of, and, you know, powers doesn't have an answer for it, Nick. He doesn't have an answer. He notices that C. Thomas Howell is burning with hatred and he, he says you know he's all that hatred's gonna burn you up son it's like you have you no know. soul man and you know see thomas is like keeps me warm but he do you like when he calls himself an eagle driver i didn't remember it because they're talking about the kind of plane he flies he's talking about what kind of plane he flies and he's like yeah i'm an eagle driver as if they're supposed to know what the fuck that means <laughs> they do a big attack on um this, this encampment or this 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 camp and um, powers this guy they have they, they have jets in this place like you know fighter jets and powers climbs up a ladder looks at the pilot says look at me and he throws a grenade at the back of this jet and blows the guy up do you remember that scene yep after he was like they're like are we doing right and he doesn't have an answer <laughs> like <laughs> he certainly enjoys killing that guy yeah uh and this is after we've established jennifer gray is a demolitions expert she's like their firefly yeah she's always dropping bombs yeah she's she's kind of the she's one of the she she's always like walking out of a store that blows up right yeah like, satchel charge queen she is she's just like <laughs> milius is frantically trying to give powers booth enough lines and make the audience like him enough before he kills him and that's true like i think it works it's certainly he certainly doesn't pay any attention to the other kid aardvark who does he dies first like no one cares is he the about one that, him is he the one that tur- dies in the turret he is god yeah. i love when that, i loved when that happened so yeah so what happened the the bad guys find our heroes and it's 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 a frosted morning snow covered ground there's some tanks all this mayhem happens and anyway they try to take out the tanks the one kid gets killed and then powers also gets shot atop this tank and then puts a marker on the tank, you know, and he has this, his last lines, which he sound as he's dying, he sounds it's awful like a drunk. Like he sounds like 
He's making um, fun of their marksmanship, isn't he? He sounds like a drunk on the floor of a bar's bathroom atop that tank, Nick. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's his super zoom. And he says, uh, I wrote down what he said, because there's all the way he delivers it is he's uh, he's like he puts like a like he, he puts like a, a smoke marker on this tank, whatever they call him. So so the the other tank, there's another like I don't know. Is it a tank? Is it a is it like a U.S. Army tank? I don't know. There's like a fight. I think it's for it's actually for like the fighters to a jet to like bomb or something to missile this tank. And he says, "Come on, buddies!" As he's dying, and it's, it just sounds insane. He, he shoots straight for once, you army pukes. As, that's those are his last words. Mm-hmm. So that's what it is. Yeah. So they bomb this tank and and, and blow it all up. And later they said the the group's like, "Should we bury? Should we bury Powers?" And Jennifer Gray's like, what's left to bury? He's blown to smithereens. Leah Thompson's like, I'll never love again. That's right. She says that. I'll right? never love again. You yeah, never- but they cut out they cut out the sexy. So you don't know why she's saying that. I guess, they, I mean, they do. There's still like a little romantic interest that they leave in. Um, yeah, she says she'll never love again. One of the great romances of our time, Red Dawn. <laughs> Leah Thompson said, said that's why she took the movie. Most fun, that- she's, most fun she's ever had in a movie, according to the uh, trivia. And the reason she took the movie was that the, the that scene with Powers. Oops. Lane Smith, dead. Powers Booth, dead. Ben Johnson, dead. Harry Dean Stanton, dead. Patrick Swayze, dead. Ron O'Neill, dead. And just this year, Frank McRae, last year, dead. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, this, this movie's old. It's not that old. People died young. But Swayze did, for sure. Uh, Harry, not, Harry Dean Stanton, not so much. Now he got to hang out with the Butterscotch Stallion on his way out, too, which is great. Owen Wilson. Yeah. Harry Dean, man, what a what a life that dude led, man. What a badass. Did it on his own terms, looking succeeding despite looking like a dachshund's dick. Oh <laughs> this whole group is made up of, of characters that you remember, minus three characters. And so you got Aardvark, who gets killed atop that tank. He doesn't get any lines really in this movie. He just gets killed. Like, and everybody acts sad. Some people act sad when he dies, but I forgot he's in the group. Daryl, who betrays them. And then and that's, and they find out. Is that Mondragon? Is that his last name? I think it's Mondragon, which I thought. It's Lane Smith's kid. And then um, there's the other kid that survives. And he, that kid, he's wearing a full, full he has a fur covered holster in this. Do you so, see that? We all. Man. Oh, God. Uh, someone gives a you so for powers and aardvark they have a they have a, a ceremony like they kind of have a um a ceremony yeah when they when they bury aardvark swayze says i'll never love again and somebody gives a big speech about how they i think this kid the kid with the fur covered holster gives this big speech in hopes that it's really kind of rambling speech about how they go to heaven and they forget about their deaths here so they can come back as children and as innocent. He has a long rambling speech. Like I was like, man. I had a long um, rambling refill in my cup during that sequence. <laughs> they can be little again and innocent, I guess. Um, so that's why Victor Salva became a filmmaker. They, they realized that at some point there's a the, these bad guys have like a tracker and it's beeping and they – they get the jump on the bad guys, but they find out the beeping tracker is linked to Daryl. Somehow, it, 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 it Charlie Sheen figures it out, and, it, and it's homing in on and Daryl. And then they have and they capture one of those bad soldier, the soldiers anyway. They figured out that Daryl's betrayed them. His daddy made him swallow a tracker so the bad guys can find them. And he didn't tell anybody. And so then they have a scene where they execute the prisoner. Patrick Swayze cannot bring himself to execute his friend, but old hardcore C. Thomas Howell sure can. 
and he zips them up with bullets. <laughs> the group does not react well to that. You talk about us as a as a people. I, I, mm-hmm. We see this as I remember. We see this as kids, right? Yeah. None of the none of the subtext in the movie meant anything. I just remember it gave us an excuse to go into the woods and play guns and say Wolverines. Right. That, that was our big takeaway, right? There's a lot of depth here, man. Yeah, there is. Well, I mean, and, and another thing that I noticed, speaking of depth, this is going to be, this is astounding. Johnny, another, Johnny depth turned down the role. That's right. Another clothes, clothing fail here is that when they find out that Daryl's betrayed them, Charlie Sheen is wearing, like, everybody's wearing winter clothes in this. And he's got a he's got a hat on, and he goes to rip it off out of frustration, out of anger, when he realizes his friend has betrayed them, and he misses and his hand slides off his hat. He doesn't get to rip it off the first time. He has to go back for seconds and then grab it. Now, look, when you're frustrated and you're ripping off your hat, Nick, you're not going to have perfect game. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I get it. Maybe that was an acting choice. No, if there's one thing I can get right, that's it. You think you can first try that hat? I'm, I'm 100% pull-off hat. You can do it every time first every, try. Every time perfect. Kubrick would would save a lot of film with me. Yeah, so Charlie Sheen goes for two on that. Yeah, he misses. <laughs> I mean, I'm zooming in. Huge. I'm glad you're noticing all this weird clothing shit. The, so our, our heroes are about to kill a like a supply line. There's like a food truck. They're about to they're about to rocket the shit out of the the bad guys. And all of a sudden boxes of food fall out of the truck and Swayze is like, hold up, guys. Hold up. This is not a trap. We are starving. Let's uh let's wait for everybody to clear out and let's look at these the spilled he spilled boxes, see what's in them. Not, Sends Jennifer Grey out there to cutely run up. She cutely kind of runs up in her blue, little blue coat to the food, and she starts tearing into fruit, bread, eating. She's just so starving. Yeah. And Swayze waits to see if she gets murdered. Doesn't. <laughs> this is shortly after they bring in the big reinforcements on the bad guy's side in the form of right. William Smith. Right, and he gives that badger uh, Wolverine presentation. Yeah, he, he mm-hmm. is uh, speaking Russian because the actor – was in the military in New Russian, if you read that on IMDb trivia. Of but he has he has come in and he's like, we gotta beat them at their own game. And that's what leads to change the change the rules. They're getting us. They're getting us here. We gotta yeah, we gotta re we gotta actually turn around and get them. So let's give them some fruit. And so Swayze is like suspicious, but they're starving. And so then he sends the rest of the group to pick up the food. And look, there's fruit there, there's bread, there's corn checks. I mean, this is just, I mean, when you're hungry, that's top three foods right there that you want to see, right? Yeah. Those um, are checks and, your body can cash. And they run back to, to their little, run back to the rocks and have a feast, right? They they start to eat this stuff. Jennifer Grey starts to eat an orange and starts to squeeze it over Swayze's head. They're having a blast, Nick. Yeah. They're, they're, this is the first time, this is the first moment in a long time that they're, that they're, they're at peace. They are the but, farthest away from a helicopter gunship shooting at them. Uh-oh, Swayze hears something. What's that sound? It's the sound of Jennifer Grey about to get shot in the chest by a, a helicopter. Yeah, they have the, like a, a Rambo 3 attack helicopter. Two of them. Yeah, maybe three, actually. They got a lot. Bill Smith in one of them. So she gets, her coke gets puff so when she gets shot her little like coat explodes kind of like in prophecy right when the kid the yeah sleeping bag yeah very, very anyway much, yeah and so Swayze puts her on they have horses at this point by the way they're always on horses and Swayze puts her on the back of his horse and clops off with her and the rest of the group skedaddles and as these helicopters are in hot hot pursuit and this is when we first some of the characters that you care about besides powers take the loss such as C. Thomas. 
Do we care about him? I mean, sort of. He's like one of the main characters, I guess. The weird thing is he RPGs one of the helicopters, but he RPGs assault, like the, the kind of the gunner in the helicopter. He doesn't blow up the helicopter. He just shoots that guy out of the helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> so he kind of misses in a weird way. Yeah. And then he gets run down by, yeah, he gets he gets uh, machine gunned to death or whatever, gunned to death. Uh, Jennifer Grey has a scene with Swayze where she's dying under a tree and she wants him to kill her. He won't. He can't do it. By the way, was Secret Admirer a big film for you as a youth? Who's in it? See Thomas Howell. No. God, that's a big one for me. Who, who did I crush on? Who was the girl in that? I, was it Lori Loughlin? I crushed big on that movie. Maybe it was Lori Loughlin. I'm looking it up. That Sounds movie was, right. that was a big one for me. Huge one. What's My Tutor? That was more that's of a, that that's a big Karen, one. That's Karen Kay. My Tutor? Yeah, I think so. That was a little bit bigger for me. See, Thomas Howell, man. Always working. Jesus, I got to scroll. My thumb's going to break. I did stop. He's The Walking Dead. I did stop at Hidalgo for a second there. Okay. Um, he was in Tank. Uh, that's right. Secret Admirer, the love interest is Lori Laughlin and Kelly Preston. That was a huge crush for me. And Fred Ward. Good. <laughs> Clifton Young. That, Courtney Gaines in this. Corey Heim. Aim. Is John- he in Secret Admirer? Oh, my God. All right. This is a Doug Savant early role. Please tell me it's on Tubi. This is what a day this will be if we discover that traces of red and secret admirer are available. <sighs> Towards the and end, it's to me. <laughs> Getting towards the end here, Nick. Their group has been depleted. They're minus four now. Okay, bodies in the ground. There's only four of them left, and you got Leah Thompson, an unknown kid, and you got the two brothers, one brother Swayze and brother Sheen. And those guys say, look, you know, Swayze, he's out there being sad in the woods for a while. Against the woods, he's he's sad, looking like, you know, death's about to come up. He's at, they're at the end. Like, they're, they've been, they're tired of fighting. Right. And Swayze says, look, me and, me and Sheen are going to go into town and cause mayhem. You guys sit this one out. We're going to go on a suicide run. And Leah Thompson's like, all right, I want, she's like, oh, no, I want to go with. He's like, you don't have, he's like, oh, she's like, okay. Like, we're going to kill ourselves. She's like, yeah. And so uh, they do, and they and they they hit town as the as as Ron O'Neill, the one of the bad guys, is writing a letter to his beloved wife, and they narrate it like, and it's like he's he's talking about how he misses home, and he's he wants to he's going to retire. The efforts here are futile, like that kind of thing. It's a weird moment, I think, in this movie. You know, you have sympathy for him, right? As as this like as their little home base gets starting get blown up by the boys, they start taking everybody out. And they run around their cute little winter wear, and they got RPGs strapped to their back, guns. J.C. Penny Winter Collection. They take out one of the the main big Russian general, or whatever. He's coming out of a little trailer. They they blow that up, they, and they get one of the guys is right. But when they do it, the one of the guys is right behind him, about to kill him, and the the backblast from the RPG gets him in the eyes. Gets a little Boba Fett moment. Like they mistakenly take that guy out. You didn't notice. And so then uh, they're hiding on a little train. And one of the guy, bad guy notices it, and he, he shoots him up, and he gets Sheen, and he he like follows the blood trail, and Swayze's there, and he's like, "You lose." Yeah. And the bad guy turns around, in time and they fire on each other. I don't know why Swayze doesn't need to say "You lose," just shoot him in the back. Did you fall asleep during all this? This it it just got to be so uh, this this yeah I don't like this stuff. They're dragging it out. Yeah. You don't like it anyway. So then Swayze drags his brother to the playground that Harry Dean Stanton mentioned earlier in his speech, and. And he's he's talking to his brother as his brother's dying. And his brother is dead. His brother is dead. You think so? He's talking to a dead Sheen. 
You think? Yeah, 100%. Charlie's out. So they're sitting on the bench. They're going to rest there for a while. And then it cuts to Le- Leah Thompson Leah Thompson slipping on a rock as she's walking downhill. <laughs> <laughs> and she has the final voiceover here about kind of what happened. And, you know, there's they, they cut to like a little stone. They, they had been writing the names of the dead on this stone, this little group. And there's like a monument there now. And, and she says, we're free now. They're you know, not. Like they're she, not, though. I'm very sad. I noticed that there was a guy. Let's do a blooper, blooper reel. <laughs> Find out why Go his ahead. name is Ardvar, because he ate ants with his wee-wee. I noticed one guy fi- falling down while shooting. One. One. You notice women slipping on rocks. You notice guys missing hats. I mean, I'm really proud. I was... I was, uh, I've watched this movie so many times. Like I was looking for, like I, these scenes are so familiar to me that I was able to notice little tiny moments that are important to everybody now. No, you notice a lot of weird shit. I saw this in the theater multiple times and I, and I don't know why I'm such a bad person. Like I, there's moments in this that I love, like there, there's stuff that I just remember, like I love when they went and grabbed their food and they're eating the, the, the food. So hung, you know, hungrily, I, I like, I was like, Oh, it looks good. Like I remember as a kid going, Oh, it looks delicious. You know? Yeah. Just little moments come come back to me. There was definitely a sense of man, I would love to be able to go up with my friends into the woods for a few you know weeks and mm-hmm. and, and rough it. You know, not thinking of the repercussions and all that, but not thinking about how smelly your butt would be and all that. But I think it's 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 cool. There's a certain like uh, you know escapism to that. Sure. I remember we would build a fort in a, in the in the forest. You know, like a little tree, mm-hmm. a little fort, and then we'd play Red Dawn. And unfortunately. Nobody wanted to be the villain, so we had to pretend the villains were there. Is that true? Yeah. Nobody wanted to be, you know, William Smith in this situation. So it'd be like four of us with our backs to each other mm-hmm. fighting off invisible opponents, you know. Right. Sucked. Now, nowadays, um, of course, you know, it'd be a lot different. Kids would be Google Earth. Like, they'd be like, oh, that's where the villain is. I'll see. I see him. And then I'm going to, you know, I got to level up. That's one thing the remake must have introduced, right? They had cell phones and stuff. I don't remember. We'll do it. You know, we're doing every film, so we'll get there. Okay, we'll do it. We'll do it today. <laughs> I like this 7 a.m. thing. Look, movie's over, but you're up there, you know, trying to pass the time with the, in the mountains. Somebody's put a mm-hmm. makeshift tattoo gun together. What are you getting carved onto your flesh, man? That's a good question. There's probably are red, there are Red Dawn tattoos, I imagine. Red Dawn Chong. Mm-hmm. Co-star with uh, C. Thomas and Soulman. So ankle to ankle to scrote, I've got a tat of the <laughs> the piled up bodies of comrades. Like so, like ankle to scrote, photorealistic bodies of comrades piled up from my ankle to my sure gray. You know, like a gray, like a very sad. You know, like it looks like almost like a, a black and white war photograph all the way up my sure. body, right up to the right up to the heater. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna get that. Remember that sexy fish I mentioned. <laughs> like with the come hither look like, right come fish me out of the lake and you know, a little wink wink i can get that on my bicep you know the kind of the 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 fish that just looks like you know it's ready for some romance ready for some flinging betwixt the sheets <laughs> and uh I, I would get that you know with a little this just just that i'd get the exact replica that i take that this, you know take a picture of the of that scene from the movie and bring it to the tattoo artist and just give me this put this on me i love i want to see a photo of this fish i can tell you i i can tell you when it happens like an exact moment so you can you can fast forward to the part or I, I'll, I'll find it i don't know maybe there's maybe it's a real sign maybe they didn't maybe it's a real place yeah and we can find the sign you know maybe millions didn't dream it up how sexy was I, the fish i mean on a scale yeah <laughs> 
to one to ten. I mean, ten being the hottest. Yeah. Fish I've ever seen. I'd give it. I give it like a eight. Sexiest fish this side of a pagoda. Movie's over. Credits have rolled. But lo and behold, there's a little teaser, a little stinger at the end, a little extra scene. What you got? Like a post credit. This this whole invasion mm-hmm. happening all over the place, but nobody sees in the night this U-Haul truck pulling in Kansas City. You know, it empties out. People have all sorts of um, baking goods and equipment, all that, and they are secretly in the night setting up a little Russian bakery in Kansas City, a street corner. Turns out this whole invasion was a diversion to bypass the Better Business Bureau. Uh-oh. Yeah, they wanted to open up this bakery, weren't able to get a loan, so they put this whole invasion together. The New Dawn sets, the, that bakery turns the sign over in the window open. They did it. Turns out they pulled it off. Shop got open. Oh, really? Yeah, so they got that Russian bakery open and bypassed the Better Business Bureau. They didn't have to get uh, any sort of permits or anything. Nailed it. That's the long game? Yes, yeah. It's a nesting doll, man. Uh, mine is just simple. As Leah, Tom- Leah Thompson is um, looking into the distance and you hear a voiceover and it's like, we're free, you know, but it's, it's a question mark as she's like, you know, remembering the names of the fallen, her fallen comrades. She hears a click and as she starts to turn around, she gets shot point blank in the back of the head. It's the unknown character. He's a, he's a double agent, the unknown kid. So working for the baddies the whole time, Nick. <laughs> Headshot done. Then he go. He runs. He runs quickly into town. Starts high fiving all the Russians. Long game. I don't know. I still don't know that character's name. Is it Danny? Is it? Am I right? Is it Dan? Is his name? I think his name is Danny. I think it's Bibis. And, and Daryl from. So the the guy Daryl, who is the person that turns on them, he was in the Outsiders, as I mentioned before. He was the guy I think that Ralph Macchio kills okay. in the Outsiders right. with the ring and stuff. Do you remember he plays he plays his his whole acting career is him playing like kind of unlikable people and and working with the same handful of actors apparently. I wonder if he still works. Wasn't C. Thomas and Patrick in that and one of the Sheens, Emilio, right? Shit, you're right. Yeah, Daryl Dalton. Darren Dalton is his name, but not the now actor. dead catcher from the Phillies, right? And he hasn't worked since 2012, but he he he, he did give it a go for a long time. Yep. Also writes. Oh my God! They've greenlit a sequel uh, for to Red Dawn, and you've been given all that coin. How are you going to spend that hard earned? I would do a side call. All right, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, a side call. And call it before Red Dawn, and just have Julie Delpy, Ethan Hawke having their talking tour as all this mayhem breaks out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're just watching, you know, as all this all the scenes happening happening here, they're they're romancing through all the the mayhem that's happening in town as all the shootings, you know, they're, they're, they're holding, they're, they're, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, that's I, what I'd do. I mean, you would set a precedent that's never happened in film history before. What? A, a cycle that takes place at the same time called before. <laughs> it's a cycle. I like it. Do they do a lot of cycles? No. There has been cycles, right? Basket case two. Is it? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> He's on his side. <laughs> I know. So mine's not a sequel per se either, or per se. It's called uh, Red Dawn Blackheart. Oh. And, and it's a Hearts of Darkness with Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm. So it's like his grueling Hearts of Darkness adventure as the film as they filmed Red Dawn. Oh, no. Looks like his paw on Apocalypse Now. It's like Amelia's cool. Does he – well – you should do it with Swayze because you know how. Okay, well, I was just gonna say Sheen I will had not. a heart attack. 
Yeah. Swayze had got frostbite on his fingertips. Yeah, but Charlie Sheen got a hernia mesh during this. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Charlie Sheen probably got a bad blowy during this, so that was that was a traumatic for Sheen, him. I think this is Sheen's first movie. And I remember he, you know, his dad is so famously anti war, very liberal, um, you know, and and so when this came out, like Charlie Sheen was very outspoken about how much he, he was like kind of defiant was saying if any commies ever try to attack us, like I would take up arms. Like he was kind of his anti-dad in this, like filling his little way, Yeah, you know, his, his, you know, doing his own little rebellion against old Marty Sheen. Oh, by the way, all of this is covered in Red Dawn Blackheart. Is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's also talking, there's also there's this really traumatic moment where he receives an early draft of the Navy SEAL script. This is years away, Charles, but just keep it in mind. You, know. you gotta look. You gotta rebel against your dad. Like you have to do it. Like you have to do it in public because the only reason he's he's in movies is because of his dad. You know, like that's the one reason that Charlie Sheen is is has a career is because his dad had a career. So in his first movie, he really like struck out against against pops. Ramon Estevez didn't have that problem. Look, you've been given the financing to have your own business associated with Red Dawn. Escrow is underneath itself. How do you do it? Mm-hmm. Where we, that's my business, where we, I would just make that same outfit that Charlie Sheen, you know, when his whole, he's, he's pasted like a lot of wheat to his, to his head and body and crawls through wheat. Yeah. Um, Jim Wheat wrote, uh, wrote, what he write? He wrote The Fly. Jim Wheat? Yeah. I don't know. I think he may have worked on Alien too. Yeah. So that's it. I would make outfits, you know, clothing made, made from, you know, with wheat on it, I guess, you know, like. And I'd use I'd use real wheat, none of that fabricated fake wheat. So the clothes would have a have a a shelf life. I'm I'm thinking it through. Should I use artificial wheat? I mean, help me help me think this through. What do you think? Artificial is the way to go, or real wheat? Real wheat. I think real wheat would give you a nice smell. Plus, in a pinch, mm-hmm. yum. I mean, who doesn't want to wear wheat? What would you call the product? Would you call it wear wheat? Yes. Okay. I said that. A, did you not hear me? <laughs> it doesn't roll off the tongue as much as I would hope. Where we, <laughs> I think it's quite memorable. Even if it was wheat wear, I think it would fit better. But it's your business. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. Wait, where we and uh, Jim Wheat and wrote, then, wrote it's, it's, Black and uh, and uh, Fly Two, by the way. And if you misplaced your outfit, you could that's you could just scream that the title of the product out. You know, <laughs> he wrote Fly Two and Pitch Black and other things. Nightmare on Street Four. He didn't. He didn't write. He wrote Pitch Black. Can I can I ask that you do a, a wheat straitjacket? Sure, I'm taking a request. Just so I can crack an insane in the main grain joke. <laughs> Nick, our fans are everything to us. <laughs> <laughs> we listen. We listen. We're listening at Wear Wheat. We hear you. A straitjacket? We got it. <laughs> you want to crack a joke? We'll we'll do it. We'll put the time in to make that wheat straitjacket. <laughs> what a great name for a character, wheat straitjacket. So I have uh, created uh, a, what you would call a um, what's that term that they use? A novelty. You know how like they sell those Groucho Marx fake nose and glasses things. I do know that. Mm-hmm. Very famous for a while there. Harpo, actually, big yeah. I think that's their logo, isn't it? No, it can't be. Anyway, um, I've done that, but it's Jennifer Gray's original nose. Oh, 
Heck. You can get Jennifer Gray's nose uh, 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 with a rubber band or so you can wrap it on, put it on your head. So it's a schnoz, you know, schnoz. I love that word. It's, a, it's Jennifer Gray's original, the OG schnoz. Right. You know, and then also we have, a, I mean, it can't have a store with one product, right? So I also have, I have a Jennifer Gray fake nose and I have a Jennifer Gray real grenade that you could uh, throw and blow up a friend, blow up, a, you know, carpet bomb somebody. Yeah, she uh, famously got a nose job and then she kind of had a restart because she lost. She looked so different that no one really she had a associated nose. with yeah. her. Her nose was. Oh, beautiful. yeah. I, look, I love I love I thought she was I loved her and stuff. And I, you know, I think I thought she was beautiful. But, you know, she wanted to get that change. You can't like, you know, that's what her well, she not, wanted to. I'm not that bothered her, you know. I'm not disparaging her choice, but I am building mm. a fake version of the original to sell. Sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think she regrets that. I think she lost out on like, you know, it's like it just she'd lost some uh, footing when she did that. But on the plus side, she got right in the in the sight line of one Clark Gregg. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. they got hitched. But uh oh. What meant to be? Divorce. Yeah, COVID. They lost it. They lost their way through COVID. No, no longer together. But she's writing a book about her life you can read it it's called i wind right and now she's dating i mean look you can you, you know maybe she's had some ups and downs but she's currently on upward trajectory engaged to uh whitley stryber <laughs> <laughs> he's interested nick <laughs> definitely interested Very and good. also a spokesman for we wheat or, i'm sorry where wheat <laughs> um we figured close enough, you know? You know who is monitoring this courtship heavily? Who? Mr. K. That's right. <laughs> From Dreamcatcher. <laughs> All right, look, man, you're in the movie. You get to be a character in Red Dawn. What shape does your performance take? That's a good question. Hear me out, okay? Mm -hmm. There's a rustic cabin up in them Colorado trees up there. And they, there's an old coot up there. Kind of nobody knows much about him. Mail his mail is sent down to the post office. He'll come down at once in a blue moon to collect it back before the invasion. Nobody knows much about this guy, but all of a sudden these kids are up there in his terrain and uh, lickety split. He comes out and hear me out. He's calling himself the Forest Gyno. Um, yep. Yeah, he comes out with his. Uh, he's got. He's got them. What do you call those? Those hobo gloves, like the leather gloves with the fingers cut off. It's like these are fingerless gloves. These are these are sterile. I'm here to help. I'm gonna do some digital. I'm I'm here to do some digital experimentation. Right. <laughs> so that's I ain't, I ain't talking about computers. Yeah. So that's that's the, yeah. he's an interesting part of this story. The forest gyno. Yeah, that's what he's calling himself. He shows up to the camp. He's like, I'm the forest gyno. Uh, any and you have anybody that might need my? Oh, I see two people that might need my help. I'm the third girl, young girl, in the in the under the floorboards, um, in the in the what's his face's what's his name Brian Brad Ben Johnson Ben Johnson's uh, house or cabin or wherever he is, and I'm the third one. But when the when they come when the, when the group comes and and I'm in the corner going to the bathroom, yeah, you know, like I'm in the makeshift dirt bathroom down there. Mm -hmm reading a paper i don't really hear what's happening up there i don't i don't know we're being given away to the group i miss my opportunity and i i'm just like i'm totally like i'm surprised and i i'm i'm like 
through the floorboards, I'm like saying to, to my, my grandparents or whoever those people are, the people that took me. And I was like, why don't you tell me? I was, had my Walkman on, like I was listening to the Smiths. I, I had to go to the bathroom. I'm already embarrassed enough to do it in the dirt, but like it was, it's me time. Why don't you tell me that we were, that you're giving away us to this rebel group? Right. Why am I still here? And then I just hear a lock go on <laughs> the tra- the door and I hear them going, <laughs> a little sinister laugh. Yeah. And then I hear uh, the bed the, shaking. The, the, the wife <laughs> say, we're almost out of food. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. What was your, what's your Tristine, character? Tristina's on the menu. Uh, I was about to say, what's name. your name? Tristina. <laughs> <laughs> Tristina. I like yeah. it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, look. So that's it. That's that's me. That's my character that I want to play. If she ever needs a gyno. <laughs> help. Like I'm screaming help. And then somebody kicks in the door and it's the forest gyno. Not that kind of help. <laughs> I don't. I should have been more specific. <laughs> Good old Rex cream lore. <laughs> Look, you're on an island. You've been gathering debris from all these films over the years, and now it's time for you to take something from Red Dawn. Poor Trustina. I'm taking, I'm taking uh, Powers of Booth's death rattle to my island. One hundred percent. A little lullaby as he drunkenly stumbles into the afterlife. Afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> the afterlife just got more exciting. That's right. Well, afterlife, yeah, and that's what I would do. Like I would love. That's, like, that's where Upham is. So yeah, and I—that's what I—that's because Adam Goldberg's death. You see, all right. Is that Upham? That's his name, Upham. Jeremy Davies' character is Upham. Yeah. Oh man, another disturbing scene that I'll never shake. Yeah, that's that's it. That take his I take his drunken ramblings, his death. I guess this is death rattle, his drunk rattle. I don't know. Is it is it something that I would walk around my island saying? that or just hear it on my island through like loudspeakers. I think I'd, I'll, I'll prefer the second there. Yeah. A Bluetooth power powers booth. Death. And rand, randomize it somehow and, 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 and tie it to some kind of digital device where it can, it can have powers booth voice saying drunken nonsense as he departs for the after knife. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Wait, what could be, some, give me some drunken ramblings. You're, you're better at this for for his grave for his last words. Yeah, just say some it, more like alter, alternative last words. Like I haven't seen a maelstrom of pain come on down. Oh, like I wish they would have called it Powers Booth Tooth instead of. <laughs> he was he he was living at the time. He didn't die too long ago. He had wonder if he had Bluetooth. He did in his ear at any point. Yeah, at like a Kroger or something, you know. Yeah. Just in case his agent called. I wonder if that's on his reel, his final scene from Red Dawn. I don't think he needs a reel anymore, to be honest. Can't believe I'm departing before I eat Wagon Wheel pasta. <laughs> Hope they don't film Lord of the Rings with Legolas and real <laughs> They They should have cast Powers Booth, Booth in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> That would have been incredible. Like everybody showing up, and then all of a sudden, Powers Booth is an elf. <laughs> Part of like that that council, he's like right next to whatever her fucking name is, Gwenisphere. What is her name? Galadriel. Yeah, <laughs> Gwenisphere. No, I think it'd be great if he was one of the hobbits. You know, it's like they shrink. Power. 
like, well, yeah. It's like uh, the idea, the idea of uh, everybody, you know, everybody got matching tattoos on the set. All the, all the, all the, you know, the fellowship basically. So you got, sure, you got Dominic Monaghan as Mary. You got Elijah Wood as Frodo. You got Sean Astin as Samwise. You got Powers Booth as Pippin. <laughs> <laughs> Think he would have put on the fake fur feet, Powers Booth? Did they have fake feet in that? They had. They certainly did. There's a fake rubber feet. I'm. I still have nightmares about seeing them walk around with those rubberized things. How tall of a man was Powers Booth? I'd say he's probably in his high fives. Not unlike the reception he got at at every film. Six two. Too tall. Too tall for a Hobbit. But you human, human or an elf, I guess, right? Actually, he's not too tall for a Hobbit. Technology is miracle. I, saw, I recently yeah, saw they, a but, group photo. John Reese Davies is the tallest of the bunch, and he was the dwarf. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I wish after people died, they listed their height, um, horizontal height. They changed it to what their horizontal height is. <laughs> I typed in power booth height, and it autofilled for me in feet. Nice. I was like, you can just assume that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, I, wanna, I don't want to know how many apples tall he is, Payo. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll times it by twelve. I, I'll figure out the inches. Um, That's right. That's what my mm. Forrest Gino says. Well, you look through your telescope, and there I am traipsing around my island in white camo. I am. Yeah. I don't care how hot or cold it is. I am traipsing that island, decked out in the best white camo you can imagine. And I am. I'm. It's almost like a slow motion mosh. I'm like, like really rocking it. Sure. A huge smile on my face. And just to rub rub it in, I've got a piece of wheat in my teeth coming out. Oh, yeah! I'm just I'm chewing on a piece of wheat, you know. Uh, and I am just happy as a clam, just looking sharp as the day is young. Styling on the island, yeah. looking good and sexy. Sure. And yeah, I've cut the prick hole out, so I have some. <laughs> Side at the top.
Power by 